Hello everyone, welcome to lesson seven in the uh, Ordinary Photographer lesson series, Beginner's Photography. Let's push the door up. So, <clears throat> we've done quite a bit so far, it's only all been very technical stuff and this is, I think, the last technical one. Oh, actually, am I lying? Uh, let's have a look. Mm, kind of lying. Actually, there's one more. Uh, th this week we're talking about focus and blurry photos. So, focusing on your subject might, might seem like a really obvious thing to do, and most cameras kind of do it for you automatically. But the problem is focusing can sometimes be incorrect. Uh, and really it, it's the reason people get a lot of blurred photos and there's lots of different reasons for getting photos that are blurred um, but it's one of the most common things that I've, I've had when when people come into the course is, is well, why is my photo blurred and, and there's a bunch of reasons for that but focusing can be one of them so as we've already talked about with aperture if you think about um, how focusing works aperture will give you a depth of field so what that depth of field actually is is, is a distance front to back um, within your photograph that's going to be sharp now depending on the aperture you're using depending on the focal length which we haven't talked about and depending on the distance to your subject that depth of field will change quite dramatically and so that depth of field is revolving around a point that you're, you select when you take your photograph and that's called a focus point or it's the thing that you're focusing on really and on many cameras it's like a little box or um, a point in your viewfinder that, that, that might glow green you might get a little beep to say that the camera's found the focus and then you take your picture and hopefully that box is on the subject that you want to be sharp and when you take that, that photograph, there's a distance in front of it and behind it that will also be sharp, depending on a bunch of factors that we haven't completely talked about yet. And, but that is your depth of field. Now, if you're using certain lenses and certain cameras and certain apertures, that depth of field could be two or three millimetres. Um, or it could be infinite, a huge distance, miles if you like so there's an awful lot of variables so it's really useful to try and understand what sort of depth of field you're going to have when you're taking photographs um, but what's really really important is that you make sure that you focus on the subject now if that's a person focusing on their nose or their ears or their head might not be the most accurate place especially if your depth of field is really really small if it's only two millimeters focusing on their nose means that their eyes aren't going to be sharp and when we look at photographs especially portraits we tend to look at the eyes first and if those eyes aren't sharp then people tend to think well it's not not a great photo uh, and there's, there's obviously creative aspects to it that that mean that you might want to have a blurred eyes or a blurred face but let's assume for the purposes of this that you actually want to have it quite sharp and so understanding how your camera focuses and where it focuses is really important and we're going to talk about composition as well sometimes you don't want the thing that you're focusing on to be dead center in the middle of an image in most cameras their focus point is in the center 
of the viewfinder. And so moving your focus point around can be a little bit tricky and not quite so obvious. So if you have a look in your camera manual, you'll find out how to move or change the focus point. Uh, and, and on different cameras, it has different degrees of difficulty. I know I have a Canon R6 and there's a little joystick that sits roughly where your thumb would be when you're holding the camera. And so it's really, really easy for me to move the focus point. Um, but on other cameras, it might not be so easy to move. It might be a touch screen where you actually touch the screen to, to, to change the focus point. Um, but it's, it's well worth having a look through your manual to find out how to change how your camera focuses. The, the thing is, though, is that often changing that focus point can be really unwieldy. Uh, and one of the most common techniques is, is called focus and recompose. And, and what happens when you, when you press the shutter button, the camera's actually doing three things. The first thing it does is it measures the light coming in so that it knows what aperture and shutter speed and ISO to use. The second thing it does is it focuses on the subject. And then the third thing it does is it actually takes the photograph. So that button's actually doing three things when you press it. But what's actually happening is there's usually on most cameras, if you half press the button, that is when it takes the light meter reading, decides on the aperture and the shutter speed and the ISO. And that is when it decides it tries to focus on the subject. And it doesn't actually take the photograph until you press it all the way down. You hear that click and the photograph is taken. So what you can actually do is you can half press the shutter to get that focus and light meter reading and then you can move the camera slightly to then actually take the photograph. And what that means is you can move your subject off center or, or if you want to reframe the image for some compositional reasons, you can do it that way. And that's a really useful, quick way of, of getting good compositions whilst still getting good fo good focus on your subject and obviously if you're on a tripod that's completely impractical because you get your tripod set up and, and your camera's fixed in position you can't really move it around then you need to understand how to change the focus points on your camera and point them at different parts of the scene um, but the the easiest method for most photography where you're not using a tripod is to focus and recompose and it's worth having a look at that uh, a lot of modern cameras these days have things like facial recognition and stuff like that, face detection, eye detection, animal eye detection. And what they'll do is when you half press that shutter button, instead of fo focusing on the middle of the frame, it'll hunt through looking for a person's eyes and it'll focus on those. And they're, they're really, really useful uh, techniques. But obviously eye recognition is no good if you're taking a picture of a landscape. And I know with my camera, if I've got eye detection turned on and I'm trying to do a landscape photo, it starts to get confused. So I've actually got a shortcut button on the camera that I use to switch between switch eye detection on and off simply because it makes different types of photography much easier. But if you only do one type of photography, it's something you can set and forget. But if you do different types of photography, it's something that you're going to have to be aware of and understand how to change. Um, and your camera manual will be there to help you do that. So have a look through your camera manual, see what focus modes you've got and, and see how to access them. Uh, some, I just, I'll just quickly run through some of the different 
common types of focusing uh, methods that cameras use. Not every camera has these. Um, so, but just kind of to, to debunk the language, if you like. So, some cameras have got something called AFC, which stands for Autofocus Continuous, um, or Servo AF, which again, AF stands for Autofocus. And what this is, is this is a type of autofocus that will continuously track a subject. So if you're doing a lot of sports photography or animal photography or anything where your subject is generally moving fast through the frame, by the time you've half pressed the shutter to, to get the focus right, the subject will have moved. And so taking the photograph, you could end up with a blurred photo. So, auto, so servo or continuous autofocus will continuously lock on to a moving subject and focus accordingly. Uh, and then that's quite useful if you do that type of photography where your subjects are often moving pretty quick. So if you've got something running towards you, for instance, that can be really tricky to take a photograph of because by the time you've half focused and, and you're starting to press the shutter the subject's already moved eight or ten or fifteen feet towards you and if you think about how depth of field works with it being back to front if something's moving towards you then that's going to eat up the available space you've got in your depth of field so if you're taking photographs of things that run around a lot and move quite quickly um, looking at continuous autofocus or servo autofocus depending on which manufacturer you're talking about i'm sure they've come up with new names i think canon have now got ai autofocus which is it's, it's just worth having a read through the camera manual to try and understand what the camera is doing when you switch to those modes uh, the most common one is afs or one shot af afs stands for autofocus single or one shot af is obviously for just one photograph uh, and this is usually what your camera comes as a standard and that means when you half press the shutter it will focus on the subject then when you fully press the shutter it will take the photograph um, and, and that is I would say probably for most photographers 90% of, of, of what you would need and, and so that's why it's the default and that's why it just works so if you don't have any problems with focusing your camera then I mean this podcast isn't a complete waste of time but you do get an idea as to how many different types of focusing your camera's got but the chances are if you're just doing kind of static type photography you probably won't ever need to mess around with it um and then there's things like ai focus or uh i've got down here af dash a i don't even know what that means but um there's uh, that's a kind of hybrid between this kind of servo or continuous autofocus and single shot autofocus um, that, that will use some sort of intelligence within the camera. There's this like a, a zone focusing, which instead of it focusing on a single point, it will focus on a larger square and try and get that in focus. But again, that works fine when you're using depth, when you're working with depth of fields that are quite large. If you've got a 10 meter depth of field and you're taking a picture of a portrait of someone then it really doesn't matter if you hit the nose or the ear or the back of the head or even all the spectacles on the front of the face you're going to be sharp anyway because the depth of field is quite large it only really becomes critical when you're starting to do um, portrait photographs with wide apertures where you want a really narrow depth of field and lots of blurred background <coughs> 
it, it becomes really important to understand exactly where your your point of focus is. Uh, the, the, I guess the last one is manual focus. So you can actually turn off automatic focus and use manual on an awful lot of lenses. And there you'll rotate the, the barrel of the lens by hand and that will allow you to see what is and isn't in focus just using your eyes. Now my eyesight's pretty terrible um, and I know, I know a lot of the modern cameras have got something called focus peaking. And what that does is that puts like a shaded area on the image to show you what is and isn't in focus. And using manual focus with focus peaking, if you've got that type of camera, that, that is a really good way of understanding the different depths of field you get at different apertures. So for instance, if you take your aperture to, to f2 or 2.8, and use manual focus, you can see that the shaded area, if you've got focus peaking, is really, really shallow and thin. And you can see as you open up the aperture, you'll see that shaded area extend so that you've got a much wider depth of field to work with. Um, manual focus is really, really useful in very specific types of photography. And I will talk about that if, if I ever get round to doing an intermediate or advanced course. But um, for the purposes of beginners, manual focus, probably not something that you want to mess around with. Um, although you might, it might, you might find it super easy, barely an inconvenience. Uh, but, but um, especially on the, the newer lenses, manual focus is more of an afterthought. If you're using older vintage lenses, manual focus is actually really doable because those lenses were built and designed to be manual focus lenses. Um, and, and so they're much easier to use manually, whereas modern lenses tend to be pretty poorly designed to be used manually. Certainly, I've, I've got a 35mm RF uh, lens that's it's, it's really nothing like using an old vintage 35mm film camera lens. Far, far easier to manual focus. But autofocus really saves you having to think about anything other than what it is you're focusing on and making sure you get it right. So that's focus. It's a really, really quick one this week. The, the last thing I wanted to talk about was why, why your photos might be blurred because it's a question that I get asked quite a lot and there's lots of different reasons for it. So I'm just going to run through them. So the first reason that your photos might be blurred is what we've been talking about tonight is that you missed focus. So and there's two reasons for that. The first one is that you focused on the wrong thing. So maybe you focused on the person and then you half moved the camera a little bit and instead of just taking the photo, the camera focused on the tree, which was two miles away, and your subject is then blurred. So that's that can be fixed with care or understanding how your camera focuses and you can also fix that by using manual focus if that's happening to you an awful lot. Um, the second reason that you might get missed focus is that you focused on the right thing but the thing moved and so the camera focused either on a different part of the thing or it, it focused on the same distance that that thing was away from you. So if you've got a dog running towards you and it's eight feet away and you, you focus on the pit on it and then by the time you take the picture it's five feet away from you, then the chances are you're going to get blurred photos with that. So double checking what you're focusing on. Missed focus is, is quite a... I would say it's not common, but it's not uncommon. 
So yeah. I hope that helps. Um, it probably doesn't. But it's well worth just making sure you're absolutely sure that you know how your camera is focusing and that it's focusing right. So the second reason you might get a blurred photo is because of subject movement. So really what's happened there is that you focused on it right, but unfortunately it was moving and your shutter speed wasn't fast enough to freeze it. So we talked about that with shutter speed. You need a faster shutter speed if your subject is moving. And depending on how fast it's moving, that will depend on how fast your shutter speed needs to be. So if you've got somebody walking down the street, a 60th of a second, that might be okay. But if they're running down the street, a 60th of a second, that's going to be blurred. So then you need a 100th of a second. And then if they're driving down the street, you might need to go to 500th of a second. And if they're in a Formula One racing car going down the street, you might need to go to a thousandth of a second. So it really does depend on how fast they're moving. But for most applications, a 60th of a second, 125th of a second, that will be enough to freeze subject movement as long as they're not moving too fast. But once you start dropping below a 60th of a second, 30th, 15th, 10th of a second, way down there, subject movement starts to become an issue you know a slight move of the head just as you're taking the photo or you know if it's a child moving crawling across the floor they might just turn quite quickly or, or start to fall that 30th of a second or 10th of a second is going to get a blur because of that and the easy way to check that is to look at your blurred photos look at the exif data do right click on the photo and properties or if, if you're just on windows or if you're in lightroom that will show you the details and if that shutter speed is really really slow anything under a 30th of a second it could well be blurred because the subject actually moved so the third reason is that your camera moved um so you've not only got subject movement but you've got camera movement so while you were taking the photograph you your camera moved now, uh, again, this tends to only happen at slower shutter speeds, 60th, 30th, 10th of a second, De way down at these kind of speeds, if you've got like shaky hands or if, you're, um, if, if you don't have image stabilization on your camera, then it could be that that slight movement in the camera is enough to cause the subject to blur. Uh, what are we on now? Fourth reason, dirty lenses, cheap lenses. So if your image is, is blurred, but it's not like terribly blurred, it's just not as sharp as you've seen on, people do on the internet, well, the chances are that, that it could be that the lens that you've got is a cheap plastic lens. If you've got the lens that came with the camera, and it's especially Canon or Nikon, um, those kit lenses that come with the camera are, are quite cheaply constructed, and, and upgrading to a, a better quality lens can sometimes result in, in getting better quality images. But generally speaking, the images that you can get from a kit lens are pretty good. It's really only if you start to really, really zoom in and look at them super critically and you know, start to notice, well, that's, that is still a bit blurred. Well, that could well be down to cheaper lenses or dirty lenses. I don't know if anybody cleans their lenses, um, but it's well worth... I'm not going to talk about cleaning lenses because the, the internet is awash with people that have really big opinions on it but i would definitely look if, if you look at the front of your lens and it's covered in greasy finger marks especially grease can can be quite bad for causing blur on photos but it will cause marks and it's just best to keep your uh, lenses as clean as you possibly can so always use the the lens cap when you when it's not in use 
um, and, and try and keep things as clean as you can. Uh, for me, I clean my lenses using the bottom of my shirt, which is probably terrible. But I just, I just, I don't don't tend to worry too much about it. But I have seen lenses from people that that just look like they've been dipped in Vaseline. Um, so, so please just double check the the state of that front element on your lens, and then if it's if it look, hold it up to the light and look at it. If it needs a clean, clean it, uh, and just Google how to do it and pick a solution that you feel comfortable with I use my shirt I've got I wear specs so I have um, a lens cloth for my glasses sometimes use that but other people will talk about how horrifying that is to do that so you google it and figure out the best way that you're most comfortable doing it with um, and the last thing that could be causing blurred photos is any combination of the above so if all of a sudden, if you've got a dirty lens and you didn't focus in the right place and the subject is moving, your hands are a bit shaky, you could end up with a really badly blurred photo that could be a combination of all of these things. <clears throat> so the best way to figure it out is to have a look at the image and try and figure out, well, first of all, look at the shutter speed. Was the shutter speed really slow? If you've got a blurred image and it was a, a thousandth of a second, then the chances are it's nothing to do with either the subject movement or camera movement and it could be more to do with the actual quality of the lens or it's more likely to be the fact that you didn't focus in the right place and I know that um, some software these days it will also when you import it into different software it will allow you it will show you where you focused when you took the image and that's really again really really useful information to have as a beginner it's, it's not really useful, I don't think, as a professional, because once you've been taking photos for a while, you, you can immediately tell and understand why that photo was blurred. But while you're learning, it's not immediately obvious, and, and understanding where the focus point was and being able to see it after you've taken the photo, that's really useful. Um, so, so, yeah. There we go, 22 minutes. Not too bad. That was focus and blurred photographs. So in terms of homework, there isn't really any this week. Um, it's about practicing with the different modes. We've learned about shutter speed, ISO and aperture. We've learned about uh, reciprocity and how those values all relate to each other. You've got your light meter app. Hopefully now you're looking around at different scenes and being able to understand the relationship between shutter speed, ISO and aperture. And it's really now about starting to practice it and take photographs, review the different settings that your camera's used, try and understand a little bit about what your camera's doing when it's take, taking the picture. Um, so yeah, I think, I think we're done. I think we're done. Nice quick one. Uh, and I will see you next time when we are going to talk about lenses, focal length, uh, and sensor sizes. I don't know why I put that down there because every time I try and explain sensor sizes, I confuse myself. Other people get confused, and it's I'm not sure how relevant and useful it is. But um, yeah, this is focus and blurred photos. I won't talk about anything more than that right now. Uh, hope you have a good week, and I will speak to you soon. Cheers. <laughs>